Welcome to All the Fun. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm a second grade teacher's aide an associate professor of pharmacy practice at the supporting sponsor of Alka Farm, the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the recently published, what will probably be a landmark article, uh, Viali A, which is azacidine and venoclax in previously untreated AML, published just uh, uh, today, last night, in the New England Journal of Medicine. Now, this was something we referenced uh, a month or two ago when the press release came out from the drug company showing the overall survival benefit. So we're going to we're going to dig into this uh, study just a little bit uh, because I think there are, it's going to change practice. And there are some really important supportive care considerations for implementing this uh, routinely in practice if you have not done so already. So, you know, there's about 400 patients, newly diagnosed AML. Uh, we'll just kind of skip straight to our, um, our baseline demographics here, uh, which is typically where I start when I look at a study. Um, so when we think about, uh, you know, an industry-sponsored study, uh, there are a couple ways you could, um, you know, set the study up for success and not really answer a needed question. I think this study does answer a needed question, which is adding, is adding venetoclax to a hypomethylene agent better than just hypomethylene agent alone in the elderly, unfit AML population, which is the most common type of AML patient uh, that exists and certainly that we see here in our clinical practice. And one of the ways that you can kind of, um, you know, not answer the question, make your drug look better is by cherry picking your patient population. And they don't do that in this study. So everyone in the study was either over the age of 75, that gets you included, or below 65, but you have some other uh, comorbidity that prevents you from being fit for say a seven plus three or intensive chemotherapy, like heart failure, uh, you know, decreased uh, diffusion capacity, carbon monoxide, etc. cetera. Uh, so the median age is 76 in this study, uh, and 60% of patients are over the age of 75. A quarter of them have secondary AML, which is typically harder to treat than de novo AML. Um, 36% in the venetoclax group have therapy-related AML versus 26% in the azacitidine group. That's really the only uh, kind of discrepancy here when, when you look at that. That's just in the, the secondary AML population. They included people, uh, ECOG 2 and 3, uh, so almost half, 45%, 44% of patients in the study have an ECOG performance status of 2 or 3. Uh, your typical oncology clinical trial looks almost like this. It's uh, it's like 50% ECOG 0, 45% ECOG 1, and 5% ECOG 2. So you have 45% of people ECOG 2 and 3 in this study. Uh, they're not cherry-picking the fit AML patients. These really are unfit AML patients. Um, so you know, I think that's notable. Uh, about a third had AML with MDS-related changes. Uh, 25% had an IDH1 or 2 mutation, and 14% had FLT3 inhibitors. So... Uh, certainly those folks, uh, this is frontline therapy, by the way, so some of those folks are going to have a good option in second-line therapy with another target agent. Uh, so from a baseline um, patient population, they're not cherry-picking uh, the healthy patients. These are pretty good patients, all right? And then about 400 patients randomized 2 to 1 to standard azacitidine, uh, the seven-day infusion, or standard azacitidine plus venetoclax. The, venet the venetoclax dose is 100 on day 1, 200 on day two, and then 400 on day three thereafter for 28-day cycles. But we will talk about that going forward, okay? Um, you know, one of the other things 
that you can do to make your, your new drug or new regimen look better is to compare it to an inferior product, something less than standard of care, which would be like low-dose cytarabine here. Uh, you know, as a sightings, you know, a hypomethylene agent is a very reasonable choice and appropriate for these unfit patients. Some would argue decitabine would have been a better comparator. A uh, little bit higher maybe response rates, a little bit better, but also a little bit more cytotoxic. Uh, which may have been the reason that venetoclax was paired with azacitidine compared to uh, decitamine. Uh, so, you know, the top line results here, the primary endpoint is, is uh, overall survival, and there is a statistically significant improvement in median overall survival, 14.7 uh, months versus 9.6 months, hazard ratio is 0.66, p-value less than 0.001. So, a pretty nice improvement in median overall survival, about four-month improvement in median OS, and what I always find really impressive is when you look at the Kaplan-Meier curves, and the Kaplan-Meier curves continue to separate over time. They don't run parallel. Uh, they continue to separate, and this is, I think, a median follow-up of, of 20, 21 months. Uh, so, you know, we're, uh, this was actually uh, published, uh, these data were finalized uh, after 75% of the deaths were met. So it's, it's a bit of an interim analysis and is showing an impressive improvement in overall survival that looks like it's uh, maybe a little bit greater if you waited until everyone was, uh, was accrued and unfortunately everyone had passed away on this study since that is what we would expect for, for unfit and elderly AML. Uh, you know, the secondary endpoints of note are composite complete response, which is a combination of complete response and then complete response with um, incomplete count recovery. So you're still neutropenic, uh, still thrombocytopenic. Uh, that's 66% versus 28%, so big difference favoring the Vendiclax group. Uh, if you look at, um, and that's total. What's important here, I think, to, for learners to take away is the complete response rate before cycle two. So after cycle one is much lower than the overall response rate, which is 43 versus 8%. So this isn't like seven plus three where your goal is to get them into remission with AML after, you know, after your induction chemo. Uh, we're, this is a chronic disease. So more patients go into remission the farther that they are on treatment and can tolerate treatment. Uh, there was also improvements in uh, red cell transfusion independence as well as platelet transfusion independence favoring Venetoclax results are pretty, uh, you know, pretty consistent across all subgroups. We can uh, look and, um, you know, you can look at that. Uh, I think what's impressive is that the uh, the hazard ratio for death is is uh, is even better for those over the age of 75 at 0.54 with a fairly tight confidence interval. Uh, so certainly looks like a very good option for our elderly patients uh, uh, with AML. Now, I mentioned that, you know, these CR rates uh, go on as patients uh, stay on uh, venetoclax and azacitidine. Now, that is limited by the toxicity uh, and not the 44% nausea in the azacitidine ven group, which is, you know, certainly nothing to, to laugh about. But neutropenic fever in 42% versus 19% in just azacitidine infections and 84% versus just 67%. Uh, so the infectious complications and the myelosuppression here is, is pretty significant. Um, you know, you see uh, grade three neutropenia in 42% uh, with venetoclax versus just 28%. Um, so that comes into play um, when we're taking care of these patients. There's a lot of supportive care that goes into it, which is uh, what I want to talk about because, uh, you know, we've talked about this before and seems to be a pretty good, pretty good study. So a couple, I think, important things that, uh, that everyone uh, taking care of patients with AML and going to use this regimen uh, should be aware of uh, after you dig into this. Uh, you know, the authors note that um, 
uh, quote, good supportive care, such as the incorporation of prophylactic antimicrobial agents, is recommended for patients receiving azacitine and venaclax. Now, if you go into where this is published, the New England Journal of Medicine, click on supplementary material, you can find both the protocol as well as the supplementary appendix, which gives you a good idea of, uh, tells you what the prophylactic medications you used were. I'm just going to summarize those for you. Now, this study was done in like 20 plus countries. Uh, it's done all over the world. It's 400 patients, but fewer than 100 were uh, here in the United States. So very a representative sample of the, of the, of the world. Um, but you do see some, uh, some, some differences in, in the approaches that the investigators took to preventing this. Now, prophylactic antimicrobial um, use was not mandated by the protocol, but the authors in the paper do say uh, that uh, you know, it's recommended. Um, so when you see these infection rates that are, are pretty impressive, you know, uh, what did I say? Like 84% of people had infections? Yeah, 84% of people had infections. Um, in the azacitine and venetoclax group. Uh, and that's with 40% receiving an antiviral, either acyclovir or valacyclovir, 56% receiving a prophylactic antifungal, uh, usually fluconazole or posiconazole, but also uh, an anachidocandin. So about 36, 36% received an azole antifungal, 15% of all patients received an anachidocandin, and 5 received amphotericin B. Um, antibiotics. Uh, were used in a lot of people. Uh, 54% of patients received a fluoroquinolone for prophylaxis, either Cipro or levofloxacin. Um, so, you know, for here locally, we would do like the levofloxacin, fluconazole, acyclovir, most likely. Um, now, when you're talking about using an azole antifungal to prevent fungal infections, uh, we would, um, you know, consider when is the best time to do that? Is it upfront when the patient begins their ramp up of venetoclax? Oh, um, and that depends on how neutropenic they have been coming into this. This leads me to the next uh, thing that I think is really important uh, to take away is that the, um, the supplementary appendix here has very, is very well defined and it's from the protocol, uh, the dose reductions that you use for 3 or 4 inhibitors are peak like or protein inhibitors, so azelonifungals. So the dose reductions uh, for moderate 3 or 4 inhibitors, like fluconazole, uh, and again, standard dose would be 100, 200, 400 for the first three days of starting venetoclax. Um, and this was done in the hospital, by the way, and that's to prevent tumor lysis syndrome. So all these patients were admitted uh, for starting venetoclax. They're all given IV fluids and some drug to reduce uric acid. They didn't say raspiricase, so don't use raspiricase. Just use allopurinol unless you, you can't or you love raspiricase for some reason and your hospital administrators don't care. Um, so they're in the hospital. They're getting uh, their fluids to prevent tumor lysis, which worked. Only 1% of patients had tumor lysis syndrome, which is just three patients total uh, in the venetoclax arm. So the dosing here is 50, 100, 200 on the first three days if you're giving it with fluconazole versus the 100, 200, 400, 50% dose reduction. Now, if you look in the package insert of venetoclax, they have dose reductions for strong 3A4 inhibitors and an even more stringent dose reduction for posiconazole. And for posiconazole, it would go 10, 20, 50, 70, so almost like an 80% dose reduction. For other strong 3A4 inhibitors like Vori, it goes 10, 20, 50, then 100. So like a 75% dose reduction. What they did in this study is different if patients were on posiconazole or voriconazole. It was 10, 20, then 50. So they didn't go up further to that 70 or 100 milligrams. So if you're on a uh, strong 3 or 4 inhibitor, the dose reduction uh, that they did in the study 
And in my opinion, if they did in a study, that's the way you do it in practice, is you only go up to, to 50 milligrams of venetoclax um, thereafter. So it's different in the study than what is in the packet insert. Now, my guess is, if you think back to uh, what we talked about in the past, venetoclax approval with azacitine is accelerated approval in this patient population, and that means it's contingent on confirmatory phase three study, which is what we have now, which means uh, they'll get an FDA-approved indication for this, and the label, my guess is, hopefully will be updated to include the dosing and drug uh, the dose reductions of venetoclax uh, as they did in this study. But right now there's a discrepancy between what you would find in the PI and therefore in your tertiary drug information references and what was done in the study. So I would always go with what was done in the study. So you'd have to go into the actual New England Journal of Medicine and find this to show it to folks. Or remember, if you're on Voyeur Posey, it's 10, 20, 50. Okay, 10, 20, 50 on Voyeur Posey. Fluconazole would be 50, 100, 200. And of course, if you're doing anakinocandin or something like that, you wouldn't have to dose reduce because that's not a 3A4 inhibitor. Uh, the One of the last things, and this may be the last thing I talk about with the infection prophylaxis, is that 30% uh, of patients, uh, if, if I, my memory serves me, 32% also received, and I'm, this is quoting from the paper, 32% also received granulocyte site colony stimulant factor during remission. So remember, AML... Uh, is a disease of the myeloid cells, and GCSF, or uh, granulocyte colony stimulant factor, filgrastim, pegfilgrastim, is a myeloid growth factor. So AML, fire. Filgrastim, gasoline. So, uh, it, and I actually searched the protocol. There's no mention of GCSF or filgrastim use in the protocol whatsoever. But my take on this, when they say 32% received it during remission, is that after patients achieved remission, and they were still suffering cytopenias that they would allow GCSF use. Um, one of the things that you see when you look in the dose reductions in the supplementary appendix is that lots of patients had to have dose interruptions and, and, and dose reductions in venetoclax. And the way that happened is after they got into remission, if they had, say, a complete response with incomplete count recovery, they allowed two weeks between these 28-day cycles for count recovery. And 72% had to interrupt therapy, you know, after a cycle to allow count recovery because this combination is very myelosuppressive. Another 52% or 53% had a dose reduction, and this would have happened probably, you know, after cycle two is what it looks like from the supplementary appendix. So what that means is instead of venetoclax in a 28-day regimen um, or 28 days straight, they did 21 days of venetoclax, then seven days off and then back going forward. Similar dosing to what you would see with lenalidomide. So during that week when venetoclax was off, that would have been the time uh, that you probably would have seen some, some GCSF used uh, to prevent some, some neutropenic complications. I really am hopeful, and I have some faith in, I think it's Courtney DiNardo, who's published quite a bit about drug interaction with venetoclax, that we'll see a supplementary publication with greater information on how these infectious complications were managed, when and how GCSF was used, and if there is a difference in which prophylactic regimen may be best to prevent infectious complications. So, you know, when you just look at the abstract, you see, oh, this is great, probably going to be the standard of care, uh, but there is a lot of nuance in how we need to, to take care of these folks. And then one final thing that I'll say, um, even though these patients are unfit for 7 plus 3 in the eyes of the investigators and based on the inclusion criteria, this is still a pretty heavy-duty regimen. Uh, you're being admitted to watch for tumor lysis syndrome. You're getting, uh, you know, a lot of antimicrobial prophylaxis, um, a lot of infection. So it, it is a pretty tough little regimen, um, uh, but certainly seems to be better or is better than, uh, than azacitine alone. So that's what I have uh, for this week. 
Uh, it's been a fun week here in the Bizarre Household. Remote learning second grade for the first time and precepting uh, four learners uh, remotely. Fortunately, the census has been low. I hope you uh, and all your loved ones are hanging there uh, and doing well. And uh, we will get through this. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Thank you.